seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 86 of Color and Magic, your magic and gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of things that happen even away from our tables and computer screens that, you know, can sometimes affect us one way or the other that maybe sometimes people don't want to talk about. And to do that, I am your host, Daquan Watson, and as always, for 86 episodes, my main man, Brian Allen's been here. How's it going? I thought I was Lawrence Fishburne. That's what I keep hearing. (laughs) Anyway... That's true. That's true. Did you see somebody went and did like a side by side facial comparison of our? Also, apparently, I, I guess pre what I learned, I have a, what do you say, a small upper lip or something like Lord. And apparently, Lord Fishburne has this too. To be fair, if you look at an older picture of Lawrence Fishburne, y'all are at least closer. But like, if you're talking about like younger Lawrence Fishburne, nah, y'all don't y'all don't really look that much alike. Other than like maybe a similar jawline. But older, y'all look at least a little closer. That I can at least, it's enough where I can at least see it. So I'm like, okay, I, I kind of get it. But there's no way that you and me can both look like Lawrence Fishburne. Well, no. Because you and I look nothing alike. Yeah. Like when somebody busted off, it's like, you look like that black dude from The Matrix. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, You're not quite like, the same. uh, can't think of uh, Link. Is it Link? Yeah, exactly. I, 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 I forgot like, all the other people in the Matrix. But. I was like, really? Are you sure? I think you got that confused. Uh, but before we get any more, we have a lot to talk about in this episode. So before we get into that, I do want to thank our two new patrons, actually. Daniel Hannum and Sturvin Thiken. Thank you so much for coming on board. Your postcards will be in the mail tomorrow. Or actually be in the mail. I don't know when they'll get to you. It usually takes a few days. But I will make sure they get out to you, as always. And if you want a postcard as well from us, hand-signed, handwritten, you can go support us over at patreon.com slash colormagic. Just a couple bucks a month, and you could really keep us really happy and help us keep this ship afloat and moving forward and trying new things and paying for our recording services and upgrading things. It's always nice to get that little bit of support from everybody. And it's super cool to just know that people even support us to that level. And we do have... A corporate sponsor, if you want to call them that, cardsfair.com, who also support other really good magic content creators. I do want to throw that out there. They support quite a few people that are really, really good folks. Some we've had on the show, some we're just friends with, but yeah, really nice people. And their site's really good. It's a great way to let you buy and sell stuff kind of at your cost, the at what you want, sell it what you want, and do it on your own time, which is super fantastic. I've been really taking advantage of it since I've been dealing with stuff you know, with the whole other house I've been trying to fix up and everything. So when I do want to sell things, I can just hop on, find somebody who's looking for stuff, stick stuff in the mail, and I'm good. So yeah, check them out. They are cardsphere.com. And if you want to support the show otherwise, and you want to get a little something for yourself, you can hop over to colorofmtg.com slash shop, where we do have some cool little tokens and some play mats, and we send several out whenever people ask, and we even sign them. So feel free to hit that up. Get something for yourself and help support us in that way as well. Now, all the business aside, man, I got a thing today. Boy, do I have a thing. Enough that I don't even want to stop the crowd from just being mad while I'm talking. 
Like I'm, I'm wanna. This, this was, this angered me enough that I wanted to inside a riot. <laughs> All right, okay. So we've talked a lot on the show about both in and out of gaming, how we kind of get caught trying to present ourselves a certain way because we know the perception. We know as black dudes in the U.S. and even in the gaming circles, like we are viewed certain ways and we are trying to change that narrative and we have to work diligently to change that. And people say, no, it's not that bad. You don't have to worry about it, whatever. But then you see a story like today. Actually, this was a couple days ago, actually. But this particular story that kind of reinforces that. But in this story, there is a gentleman who is an ex-police officer who at one point had a domestic dispute with his wife got violent, pulled out his gun and shot her. Fortunately, it was just in the arm. But, if, and they show it in this, this story, this article, you see where the x-ray, where her arm is shattered from, from the bullet wound and looks like, I guess, some type of metal or something reconstructed to get her arm right. Well, because of all this, they rightfully went and took his gun away. And, you know, they're going to have to open a whole case. And she had like a restraining order or something and all this. Which, so far, how things should probably go down. But then for some reason, within nine months or so after, they go and give this dude his gun back. And apparently they haven't resolved all this other stuff yet with all this domestic violence or whatever. And then... He takes the gun and shoots her. And this time he kills her. And even that, I was kind of like, well, that's what's going to happen if you make that kind of dumb mistake. No reason to give this dude this gun back. But then at the top of the news story, they show a picture of this dude lovingly holding his wife at like this party or whatever. Just perfectly happy. And I'm like, why? Why is that the picture that gets to lead an article of a dude who shot his wife not once, but twice and killed her? When we know damn well, especially the way the last year went, where we have seen so many pictures of victims of color and we show the most like unflattering picture of that person. Or you show some picture where everybody else is cropped out and it's just a close up of that person. No context, no happy, no like, hey, they were a teacher and they did this thing and they did this stuff at like a youth center. Where none of that. You get maybe one or two lines in the story explaining it. Like, that's the stuff that makes people upset. Like, fine. And for her, the victim, great. Show all the pictures. Show her smiling. Show her with her kids or her parents or whatever. Like, you should. Because she didn't do anything wrong. But you know what? In that same article, they hid the mugshot of this guy or whatever, like, three quarters of the way down the page. You have to scroll all the way down to find find what effectively is the mugshot of that dude. Like, why that wasn't at the top as the lead story, I have no idea. 
dude did one of the most heinous things you can do. And for whatever reason, we decided to to hide his unflattering picture. It's a bunch of crap. It's crap. But this is why when we have these discussions about we are ultra concerned about how we're going to perceive how people talk about us, how it's going to look and how we have to talk and whatever. Like, this is why. Because this type of crap happens. Because I'll be damned. Like, if something happened to me tomorrow, like, I'm going to make them dig to find some dirt, some unflattering, some gross things about me. Like, you're going to have to go for it. Like, I'm not giving you the other hand, underhanded pitch. Because that, that, man, that really, I saw that and I went, really? That's the picture that gets to be at the top of the article. Him holding his wife lovingly in this picture while they're at a party. A person he obviously held contempt for to the point that nine months later, he got his gun back and went and found her, even with the restraining order, went and found her and shot her. Like, I don't even, like, I, I don't know. I just feel like whoever even approves that crap should get punched in the face. Like, seriously. All right. I'll settle down now. It's just dumb, man. It's just dumb. It's not something, like... And I know you as a journalist, you saw it all the time, I'm sure. Yeah. And it's sad how many times or how few times we had the conversation about, is this the picture we want to use? You know, it just, it, it obviously doesn't happen enough. For real. For real. Like, and I get it. If you just don't have a bunch of pictures, you don't have a good, but like, that's what upset me more. It was, it was like, no, you have that picture. You just yeah. decided to put it three quarters of the way down the arc. Like literally I had to scroll reading this long ass article and it's like, oh, well, there's the picture. You know, that's the one we should have led with. Now, then if you put the, the family picture over further down to emphasize a part of the story or then cool. Like I get that. That's trying to like shape your narrative, tell things, whatever. I get all that as from the writing perspective, but there's no reason that should have been the lead photo. Especially this when actually I kind of so th- th- this kind of segues in, into what I wanted to jump on the soapbox about. It also is, as you can imagine, <laughs> more media being stupid. Go for it. I'm gonna let you go right now. Go for it. All yours, man. Take the floor. Now, now when we had the uh, you know the, the the bombshell interview with Megan and Harry, I mean, so many people said, "Where are they getting this from?" England isn't racist. The royal family isn't racist. Where, where is this stuff coming from? And almost immediately. It's, it's so many journalists, people, you know, that in theory went to school to learn how to write and talk to people, coming out and being as racist as they possibly can, from Piers Morgan to Sharon Osbourne, attempting to defend Piers Morgan <laughs> that he wasn't racist and then being racist. Yeah. And th- th- this... This latest lady apparently uh, shared uh, shared a meme going around that oh well the the new world baby is going to be named Georgina Floydina because they're so woke. Wait, what? Yeah. No, she didn't start it. It's a meme. She just shared it, and then of course, being a, not even a full time reporter, but apparently a contributor for some newspaper, they they even tried to give her an opportunity to apologize and no she doubled down because apparently she's written a book talking about you know i won't even mention it but you know it's you can imagine she, she's trying to to become i guess a kind of right-wing race baiting commentator so she, she she's shooting her shot and this is it man yeah. 
Dude. She, she said she's happy to lose this job because they were always silencing her and not letting her write the true story. No. Wish her the best of luck on uh, her future, I'm sure, <laughs> completely racist and ridiculous endeavors. Wow. But there's no racism. Harry and Megan were making all that up. Yeah, see, again, again, like if if people are bringing stuff to you, especially if they have any amount of proof of anything, like at some point, like, come on. Like you got it wasn't even just it wasn't even just race. You know, Piers Morgan said he didn't believe Meghan Markle was near suicide. How are you how are you gonna tell somebody else they're not going through something? Yeah, that's also true. With yeah. everything that we now know about mental health, and then you know, all, obviously all the scrutiny—it's almost like they forgot about Princess Diana, as if just none of that ever happened. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I it's know that was a like while ago. It's not, not like they don't have an example to look at for what being a part of that family and being under all that scrutiny can do to you. Yeah, they they don't have a good history. That's for sure. And hell, so, let's not forget the other boy, the other, I guess, prince or whatever, like he's had his issues too. Right. So it ain't even like that's new. Like that's just a few years ago. We know about all his stuff. Yeah. So but they're like, oh, Megan is just, how, how could a, how could anything be wrong in a princess's life? But, you know, yeah. It's racist. It's, you know, it, it's denying, um, Denying the mental health is an issue, which people in all I would say all societies, but in a lot of societies, a lot of countries, that's, that's things happening. We where we just refuse to acknowledge, and, uh, and we're going to keep. I also want to throw in that, like, it also sucks to have to talk about some of this stuff because it feels like you almost get caught getting labeled with playing the race card. Yeah, even though like. I'm not sitting here saying like, hey, my life's the worst thing ever or things only are aren't happening for me because of race and whatever. Like, no, I'm just saying like we have to acknowledge the issues and the difficulty and the things that are different and trying and causing problems or whatever. Because, yeah, it is race related. Yeah. Like we have enough proof. Like, actually, OK, here's another thing. And this came up in, in our discord, actually, where we were talking about this because it's from a previous episode where we had talked about how people don't get to see enough content from colored creators, right? You just don't see it because the way recommendation systems work is it's not just about what you're viewing. It's also about like what people that watch what you watch are viewing. And if everybody starts to like or dislike certain things or whatever, the system does what it's designed to do to show you more of those things. However, if you're, social circles or you aren't also viewing more people of color, you're going to have less introduced to you. Yeah, It shows you what you've been looking at. And if it yeah. so happens, you've been watching a bunch of 17 year old white guys play Call of Duty. Guess what? It's going to show you more of that because it has a near infinite selection that to choose from. Yeah, but not just that. It also says the people that are watching that person also watch this other person and they yeah. like both of these equally. So since you watch person A, we're going to show you stuff from person B because people also like person B stuff. But what people are showing in our Discord is like, okay, they've been watching some of my stuff on YouTube. They watch like One More Mana. They've been watching like I Hate Your Deck. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, you get this other black creator like presented to you or whatever. 
And it's like, oh, I didn't know this person was on there. I was like, oh, but see, you've watched enough videos now that people of color are starting to show up in your rotation. So like when people are like, I never see any of these people, whatever, like you're kind of telling on yourself a little bit. Because even for me, like I, I watch some wrestling stuff. I watch some magic stuff. I both performance magic and game magic. Right. I, I watch some TFT stuff because I've been playing that a little bit. And I watch some food stuff. But because some of my TFT stuff has a couple of Asian players in it, I watch some food stuff that has like Uncle Roger, which, by the way, if you haven't watched Uncle Roger, he's freaking hilarious. Uh, but and then another dude, I think the show stay, uh, channel is called like Simply Dumpling, something like that. And he kind of travels around, just eats different food or whatever. And I start seeing others in my rotation. You know, but I had to watch a few things with some Asian creators to start getting more Asian creators recommended to me. So it's it's that whole thing, though, right? If you aren't trying to see the issues and you're not trying to expose yourself to other people, it's just not going to happen. And if we sit and just ignore it and just say, like, oh, well, this isn't really a thing or this isn't that bad or this isn't really going on, like, it totally is. I mean, I can't tell you the number of people when I've been on stream and I've told them a story about something in the industry that they didn't just go like, oh, crap, or like, oh, I didn't realize that was a thing or whatever. You know, like when I'm telling about being at industry events and not even being acknowledged properly. And again, I don't and again, I don't think any of the people did it maliciously. That's the thing. To this day, I don't uh, maybe one or two of them possibly. But like generally, I don't think they really were being completely overtly dismissive or anything i think that that's just the way they operated for so long and it just became what was accepted and that's part of the problem <laughs> like it shouldn't be but the only way we normalize that is we need more people of color in important positions in the game industry you know we need people doing diversity panels that aren't just for white dudes like that's none of this is going to change otherwise until we just get more proactive about it. But you know what else, Brian? We like to learn things. We like to expand our minds. What did you learn last week? Because I feel like it was interesting. All right. J just last week in Dinner Table Talk, we talked about, you know, Pride Month and how yeah. we feel like a lot of companies are basically just throwing a rainbow on all their products and shoving them out the door and saying, hey, we did a really good job of celebrating Pride Month. For sure. And I mean, all, almost the second we went off the air, I found out that uh, the Injustice 2, it's not the main fighting game. It's the mobile version of the game, apparently, had a challenge for Pride Month where... Apparently, they wanted the community to beat up Poison Ivy, who, if you don't know, is pre has been established in DC canon as being queer. But they want you to beat up Poison Ivy 500,000 times. What and does that, that have to do with part anything? Of their to celebrate Pride Wait, how does that celebrate Pride at all? Y yeah, so many people... Who pointed this out to them? They said, "Oh wait, yeah, we'll we'll get right on that and fix that." I mean, Apparently, they even had a thing where you team up with Harley Quinn, who has been established as Poison sure. Ivy's off again, on again girlfriend, to beat up Poison Ivy. See, like I would get it if you were like 
play at least 50 games or play at least 500 games with Poison Ivy or, or with Harley, Harley Quinn. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, like that would be like, okay, you're taking one of the gay characters or queer characters, however you want to classify that, and use them in the game, play with them, get familiar with them. That that I could get behind. That would make sense. But why attack the person? Why is that? Like, that is even, I'm mind blown, dude. I really am. So somebody put, put down a challenge and they slapped a rainbow on it, shut out the door and said, man, we did a really good job celebrating pride month hell if anything wouldn't it be just like beat up the joker for making harley's life terrible all this time that would have made sense like or maybe poison ivy beats up numerous people you know they're damaging the environment because that's yeah her big things something she goes after solomon grundy or something i don't know yeah there's so many things we they could have (laughs) done as opposed to what they did that you know what that feels like? That almost feels like somebody pitched a thing in a meeting, and then somewhere the telephone game fell apart, and somebody printed the wrong thing, and sent that to the like programmers or something. Like like it was. It feels like it started out as like yeah, somebody should play Poison Ivy, and if you play at least five hundred games, you get this thing or whatever. And then by the time it got where it was supposed to go, it became fight Poison Ivy five hundred yeah. times. And then get this thing, right? Like, that's what With it feels game, like. Telephone, you know, yeah. like, you should, they can say this. And by the time it's gotten to the end of the string, it says this. Also, there was a Warner Brothers tweet, which they have thankfully since removed, bragging that people had beaten up Poison Ivy almost 200,000 times. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. never mind. Then I can't even blame the telephone game on that. Like, I, <laughs> it's, I, I got nothing. I got nothing. I, I yeah, I literally I, I have no explanation. Why would that so, be the promotion? So you know, this time next year, when it's time to celebrate Pride Month, Warner Brothers has our permission with Injustice Two mobile game. Just slap a rainbow on something and put it out the door. Don't do or say anything else. You're yeah, not no joke. good at it. No joke. Just put a rainbow flag on your your drop landing page on your app or yeah. something. Like just <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Well. Damn, that's that's a bad one. That's a bad one. As far as what I learned last week, and this came because, you know, we are wrestling fans and we do talk about that here on the show. But Monday Night Raw, for those of you who don't watch the show, it's been, gosh, what is it, 27 years old now or something? The longest running episodic show on television. And it's been the flagship show of, of WWE for ages. And for some reason, Raw is the worst, worst of all the wrestling shows right now. And I'm Can't talking confirm. about, <laughs> I'm talking about like second tier, not even AEW, because AEW is like a list top tier now. I'm talking about like Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, whatever. Like it is the worst viewing of a wrestling show right now. I, the, I was in their live audience again. I can't confirm yeah. everything he's saying is true. And, and the worst part of it is it's not a company problem. Because SmackDown has been borderline brilliant. Truly, SmackDown has one of the best storylines going in, in wrestling right now that we've had in ages. Like, I don't even know what I would say was the last time we had a storyline this good. Like, SmackDown is killing it. 
NXT, which is supposed to be their like B tier show, killing it. All the talent's good. All the writing's good. The matches are good. The wrestling's fantastic. But man, Raw just, when they talk about can't get out of your own way, it's bad. And this week, they probably had the worst. Well, I can't say that. We did give birth to a hand years ago. <laughs> I was about to say the worst segment they've ever had, but it, it might be a top 10 worst bad segment. But for those of you who don't know, Shayna Baszler is an ex MMA wrestler. And Shayna Baszler's up. I'm like, I know she's a woman, but Shayna Baszler's a bad man. Like, for real. She's fought like the baddest women on the planet. And they put her in a storyline where she's just. Honestly, for those of you who don't watch it, I'm just going to say it. And it is as dumb as it sounds. Basically afraid of a doll. And so you have this person that everybody knows. And we're using her real name and everything. So it's not like we made her her character in a stage name. Like we're treating her as Shayna Baszler. If that's what we're doing, how do you... The writers are so bad that you take a person who is considered one of the baddest fighters on the planet at, in, at least in recent history. She's not that far removed from being an MMA fighter. And we made her afraid of a doll. And not only that, the storyline has been going so long with this doll and the Alexa, the character that owns the doll, for damn near a year. And as a viewer, we don't even know what she's supposed to be afraid of. I was going to say, you forgot to tell the doll apparently has supernatural powers. Supposedly. <laughs> but we haven't seen it do anything. Any more sense. <laughs> but we haven't seen it do anything other than make fire appear somewhere. Like, I, like the whole thing is just terrible. Like, it is the... The word, and honestly, and this is one of the few times I feel like you could take any pool of wrestling fans. If you took 10 wrestling fans at random, hell, even non-wrestling fans, if you just took 10 creative writers in a pile and said, hey, here are the characters we have to work with. Here is the last six months of history. We need a story for the next three months. Guaranteed you, you will get at least three or four quality stories out of that pool of 10. That would be 10 times better than what they're putting on TV right now. Like, I don't know how it's possible, but they, like, literally, they they can't even write a story in a sport that's all about beating people up. They can't write a story about somebody that's tough being tough. That's how far down the line Raw has gotten. Where And here's what's crazy. When you look at their other shows, you've got... Like the million dollar man coming around and making Cameron Grimes life terrible. And they're doing fun skits with that. You've got awesome dudes that are coming up and like doing these challenge matches. And you've got Adam Cole doing all this stuff behind the scenes and figuring out which way he's going to go. You have Roman Reigns basically being a mob boss and his cousin that he's manipulating against his brother or whatever. Like some of the best story writing period like and i'm not even saying just wrestling stories like i would watch this story in a movie in a tv series like right. it's actually like well written well acted enough that like literally even when you talk about it you're like oh but it could go this way or it go that way or what if this happens and then this person gets mad or whatever like you know there's all these things none of that with raw like you're lucky to like honestly it's hard to get through it even an ep a full episode like it's bad right now, so I don't know how they fix it, but they they got to do something because it's it's oh man, it's a mess. But anyway, 
let's get to some other news because there was a lot to talk about, especially as far as magic goes this week. So for a couple of days, we had a lot of chatter about the new Universes Beyond plan, which we talked about a little while ago, which is basically going to be Wizards of the Coast way to incorporate outside licenses into Magic. Some are going to get actual products like the Warhammer 40K is supposed to get Commander decks, I think, next year. And then there's going to be a Lord of the Rings full set, I think, which will probably be the summer set next year, if I were guessing. And, you know, we kind of got over that, talked about it, said, yeah, it's going to be a little weird, but that's fine. But then they said, you know what, but we may want to do some Universes Beyond stuff as secret layers. And then everybody got their hackles up a little bit because we're like, wait, didn't you just do that with The Walking Dead? And we didn't like that. And then the cards were exclusive. And then we don't know for how we're going to get those again. And both. right, that was a whole mess. Now, to Wizards credit, they did actually listen to people. And said, okay, if we do these and they are in the secret layer as an exclusive, they will be available in the future. They will probably have about a six-month exclusivity. So if something came out, let's say in the February set, we would probably see it in the July-August window of time in that product. It will be part of the what they call the list, which is a set of cards they rotate that gets put into uh, set boosters. And you can get those one set every four packs. They're going to put a magic version of the card so let's say you get i'm just making this up but let's say you get gi joe cobra commander as a character in uh secret layer they would take make my money yeah exactly <laughs> take my money too honestly like but they would make some magic specific character card that had the same traits that would have the magic flavor and artwork so you would have a version of the card to play to keep it from being mechanically unique so you can at least play those, and then you can play up to four total copies between the Magic version and the the, the G.I. Joe version in this example. So that's all fine and good. I'm a, I have other issues with the list and how it's handled and how frequent the cards are and all that. Like, that's a whole separate argument. But I will at least give Wizards credit for saying, like, hey, we know this is a problem. We still want to do these crossovers. We know they're good for sales. We know it draws people into the game. So let's do it. And why not? Right. I'm on board with it. I don't see a problem with it. As long as we get because it's, you know, as long as we get the cards and they're not inc insanely priced, I guess we're OK with it. But then we had another bit of news that came out. And this kind of is one big segment. We were going to make these separate topics, but they kind of fit together. That they went ahead and announced later this week, which actually was earlier today at the time of this recording. Secret Lair Stranger Things is going to be the first, sounds like, will be the first Universes Beyond Secret Lair officially. And that one doesn't really surprise me. A few people sent me messages, asked me what I thought about it. But the truth is, they already have kind of a partnership with Stranger Things and Netflix anyway. Right. Uh, for know, B and yeah. B is a very important part of their show, so it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Especially think about this, right? We're having the D&D set come out in like a month anyway. So you're already going to be drawing those D&D players in. And then let's say another six months down the road or whatever, you get this Stranger Things secret layer, right? So, you know, all those people that just came in are probably going to want that, too. And if they can play with them, whatever, great. So it's kind of a win all the way around, you know, and they've done there's been some like D&D secret layer. I mean, D&D Stranger Things uh, products before. 
a lot of people may not be aware of that. So Wizards does have a working relationship with them. So it's not a huge deal. But the cool part, I guess cool, I guess somewhat good, I should say, is that Gavin Verhey has a show called Good Morning Magic on YouTube. And today he talked about the fact that one of the specific things they're targeting in their design is they want the card to be mostly for collectors and for commander players. So they're making them, trying to design them in a way that they are not going to be particularly good for 60 card formats. So that's actually really good in the sense that the formats that are competitive where you can use the cards being Vintage and Legacy, you're not likely to see those cards show up or be things you need to go find a way to get two, three, four copies of for your deck. But if you play Commander, like, all right, you get one, you can still use it, it's cool. I know there was concern about the Walking Dead cards dominating Commander format, but we really haven't seen that. And I think part of that's just Commander has so many cards available and so many Commanders you can use, It's there's not a need really, for those to be dominant. And I think the same thing here. So I think it's actually kind of a good overall approach to it. Now, I don't know. How do you feel about this, Brian? Like, are you even interested in the idea of having, like, see, like Stranger Things Secret Lair? Or are you I worried mean, I about love Stranger them? Things. So, yeah, this is one that I would probably consider buying. Well, I do. This probably at some point can end up in my house, especially, you know, as a... I would absolutely use an 11 commander or the sheriff or any number of Stranger Things characters. Yeah, and see, and that's sort of what I'm wondering, right? Like, if people are kind of in your spot, just like, I'm a fan of this thing they made, like, I would buy that. I mean, because I tell people, think about, we did see a lot of chatter about even the Godzilla cards in Ikoria. And my thought there was like, well, if that was a secret layer, guaranteed they would have sold a bunch of them. Yeah. Because people would have just wanted to collect the Godzilla stuff. And since it's said about giant monsters, like what really is the difference between one giant lizard and another one if you just really look at it thematically? Yeah. And I know some people are still gonna be, well, I don't I don't want, I don't know, this flavor in my magic or whatever. But the reality is. We already play Magic with a bunch of people that get cards altered all the time anyway. I see all types of altars. Hell, I can't count the number of times I've seen soul rings done up as the one ring. Right? That's a common thing. So, you know, different stuff that's had the, like, Eye of Saruman on it or whatever. And, like, that's just like, eh, all right. Lord of the Rings is a perfect fit. It's about people doing magic and, you know, finding artifacts. So it's- yeah. So I'm not really that bothered about it. We've already seen crossover of their own products that they did for promos with like Transformers and Nerf stuff and, you know, for like the Hascon promos and My Little Ponies, which, man, there's a story, by the way. We almost got more ponies. I'll have to tell that story sometime from when I was at Wizards. But wouldn't be surprised if we still get that down the road, though. But I don't have a problem with any of this. I think it's it's fine. I think as long as... They do hit their marks, like I said, the cards not being really competitive playable. And we'll just have to wait and see beyond that how they how frequent the drops are in set boosters of these exclusive cards. But otherwise, I think I'm good with it. I'm with you. I I'm I'm actually to the point though. I mean, if we can just have a quick talk about secret layers, I think if you are worried about an investment or getting your money out of magic or whatever. 
I'm to the point that now I look at secret layers and just go, okay, how useful are the cards in this? How played are the cards in this? If there's at least three cards that are highly playable or sought after in there, I'm just buying it and I'm buying multiples. Because it's already to the point that pretty much any, like a good example is the, the Black is Magic uh, secret layer that came out you know, a couple months ago that started ending up in people's hands as of like three weeks ago. I think my, I got mine around that time. Individual cards from each of those are worth more than the price of the whole set. Now, like the Teferi's I think go for like 35 and 45 and that's basically what they cost. So like one card pays for the whole thing and the soul ring still has a value. Like all the others are still worth a pretty good chunk. And I remember saying that, that all these cards are playable. So that means it's going to have to be worth something. So you know what? I got three regular sets and two foil sets. And that's crazy to look at that box and think about it's already like 20x my money sitting in that box. Like that don't make no kind of sense. It does not. But that's where we are, right? So it's kind of hard not to. So I say like I if this it, it makes it a weird spot though, right? Because if these are unique and they're not necessarily tournament playable then i have to look and go okay how popular are these in commander and if you can guess that and they are then you might have another money product too but you know i don't hate it i know people say oh, money grab and wizards making more money or you know what that's their job they're a company they're gonna make money as long as it doesn't disrupt the game too much i don't really care like if you're able to benefit from it take advantage of it it's an opportunity if not just wait and get the price the cards once the price comes down and they're in the set boosters it's kind of the way i'm treating it now we did talk last week about games and particularly magic making too many promo items and versions of too many things which you know is funny because we're just coming off of like i would buy secret layers but <laughs> in this instance we're talking about modern horizons 2 which by the way Still saying might be the best set they've printed. I don't know if ever, but damn near close to it. And all the cards are still going up in value, even commons and uncommons that are worth a chunk of change. I believe it was MTG Goldfish just did their expected value per pack, and it is insane. Uh, you're looking at, like, for collector's boosters, I think they're currently valued at, like, over $100, like 105 or something. Now, exp now you can still buy a boozer for much less than that, obviously. But I think what we're going to see is even if that price comes down, though, let's say it comes down 30% even, and you're still looking at like $72, $73, like that's still way more than the cost of the booster pack. So it's it's crazy. It's, it's crazy, crazy values going on in that right now. But what we started seeing is as people start doing promotions and opening up stuff for their, their online stores and, you know, doing ad stuff for Wizards or whatever, we had a situation where somebody opened, I believe it might have been somebody from Loading Ready Run, if I'm not mistaken. But they opened a foil old border fetch land and discovered that out of their collector's booster, the land, instead of, like if you've ever seen the old border foils, they just the border is foiled. The text box and the art usually is not. However, in this case, it was completely foiled across the entire card. So what this means is that moves the total versions of possible fetch lands and I guess 
old borders in general, if they appear in the set, to up to nine versions of a card that you're going to be able to get in this set. But then it got more weird because, and I haven't seen a response yet, but I was following Ben Blyweiss this morning, who's one of the uh, buyers and important folks over at Star City Games, that apparently somebody had opened some other collector boosters and the old border foils were normal. So now there's an assumption that your collector's booster foil old border cards could be different depending on which facility they were printed in. So, what? <laughs> yeah, no. So that could possibly make the foil old border collector's booster from the wrong printing, we'll call it, with the full face foil, be more rare and valuable than the other ones. So there's a lot of moving parts here, and I have no idea what's completely accurate, but it's something to keep your eye out there for. But this is kind of what is happening as you have all these versions of so many things, because it creates more checks and balances, more QA things. And honestly, for all we know, maybe those were error ones that weren't even supposed to be out in the public. And there's only a couple of runs of those because, you know, they check some boxes every so many or whatever. So there may be some of those that already got done and they're just out there and then the others are correct. So who knows? We're not going to know until people really start opening Modern Horizons boosters in mass in another week. So this whole thing is weird, man. Like this just reinforces that we don't need this many different versions of cards. We just don't. It's making my head hurt just listening to you <laughs> talk about all these. Well, I, well you notice when I'm trying to explain it, I'm trying to speak slowly and clearly because yeah. like, if some people are probably going to rewind this and be like, okay, what did you say about this? And what is it like? Because there's so many things. And when people say like, are there that many versions? Like, yes, because you have cards in the set have like their regular versions, their foil versions. You've got old borders, old borders with foil. You've got full art and full art foil. And then some cards have sketch cards, whatever we're calling those, the sketch versions. And I got no clue. I'm assuming the sketch versions just don't come in foil. Hopefully. I don't know. Like, And then you have to know what packs to buy to get which cards you're hoping to get. And it's like, it's a mess. It's a mess. Honestly, if we had one or two cool versions of stuff in a set, like maybe we have like Maybe we get whatever the cool treatment is. Maybe there's a sketch thing or an etch foil or whatever, and we do that for some subset of cards. So those could be like the drop rates and every set gets the equivalent of like expeditions or whatever. That would be fine. And then the collector's boosters can just be extended art, borderless, foil, and then maybe a higher drop rate of whatever the insert is. That's it. We don't have to do anything else. Matter of fact, don't even have to do whatever they're trying to call like borderless, and extended art or whatever, just call them the same damn thing and don't even put alternate art on them. Just just expand your borders and make them borders. We don't have to get stupid. Just keep it simple. Because nobody cares. And I can tell you nobody cares because if you go look at the prices on a bunch of them, like the extended one or the regular one or the foil or not, they're, they're within a few cents of each other. Some of them are like a dollar difference. Like There's so many of them and so many versions of them. Like the, the weird and rare versions just don't even carry any value or weight. No, no premium even though they technically were harder to get like nobody cares because there's already all these different versions they can get so like i don't know but anyway it's just something i want to put on people's radar that it's something you might see 
So just know that it's out there and you're not confused and know you're not getting like weird counterfeit things if you open them or whatever. <laughs> So we mentioned that the guys over at uh, Game Nights were doing an episode with Post Malone. And that episode was going up today, or I guess at the time of this recording, which would be Wednesday, which is great. Wizards decided to tie in with that and do a promo code today on Arena. And you can put in Game Nights, G-A-M-E-K-N-I-G-H-T-S. And you get a... I guess we're still calling it Orzov, maybe Silver Quill if you're new school. Cleric Angel deck. And that in and of itself is pretty sweet, I thought. You know, just a cool way to do a promotion, almost like a reminder that, hey, there's going to be this thing. Here's a cool tie-in with Arena. And I appreciate that. I think that's a cool way. Like, you have somebody in the community doing a big thing. You're going to call it out, tie in a promotion. Everybody who plays Magic gets a free thing. Pretty cool, right? And the deck's not bad. It includes a few rares that are playable that people might need for other things, and that's cool. Uh, I did a video, which will be up probably when the... Actually, it will be up when this is live, where I updated the deck. Uh, I did a budget update, so if people want to just fix up the deck and still have something playable with their new free thing toward the end of the season, it's cool. Just a little something. But man, you know, I got to say, watching Post Malone play Magic, He's just super happy. He's just like a chill dude. He's just having fun. Like, it's not like, okay, he's kind of into magic and he showed up because it's a PR opportunity or whatever. It's like, no, he genuinely enjoys and plays magic. Like, he knows all the terminology. He knows all the strategy. You know, he obviously has a Black Lotus tattoo. I mean, like, you know, the dude's in. And it's weird to see people still try to be mad about it. You know, and... I'll tell you this, like they're getting the views already on that video, which doesn't surprise me at all. But I mean, they are just crushing it, you know, and that's a good thing, I think, you know, saying like, hey, we can get these people to come in, be part of our community, show that they're actually getting the interest or whatever. He's already got this video already has over 100,000, 106,000 views, and it's been up for Go almost six hours. This is going to likely be one of, if probably the highest viewed thing they have. And that's cool, man. I, I think it's good. You know, even in part of the video, they talk a lot about how, you know, remember growing up and you tried to like not tell people you'd played all these nerdy games or whatever. And now it's just almost like a badge of honor and you just wear it proudly and people know about it. And it's cool yeah. to see this changed enough that you have somebody that's a literal award winning artist. You know, in Post Malone, coming on and playing Magic with the guys and gals over at Game Nights. Like you said, I don't know why people are being mad. This is a good thing. This is going to hopefully put a lot more eyes on the product, which if you would like Magic to continue to be around and to have more people to play with, that's a good thing. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the way I see it is just like, if you want the like if the game is going to grow and you want to get more people in and you want your stuff to have more resale value and you want there to be better stores and you know all down the line you just got to have more people interested in your thing and stuff like this is how you get there you know i remember a couple years ago when like josh gordon levitt was on one of the web shows and that got a lot of attention you know with him showing his like old beta and alpha stuff or whatever in a binder you know, like that got people talking. 
And this, I think, is even more relevant because, like, Posty's, like, big in a lot of different circles right now. Right. He's very relevant. So, yeah, I'm I'm about it. I think this is really good. It's great for the command zone, you know, Jimmy and Josh, but I think it's good for the Magic community as a whole. And we got a free deck on Arena just because. So credit to Wizards for even acknowledging that something small like that could be a reminder and maybe even help Command Zone out, expand their reach and give people something to talk about in social media. So all of it all around, I think, was handled very well. The people that are trying to poo-poo on it, I'm just like, man, I don't know. Y'all, y'all just got personal vendettas or issues or whatever. Like, here's the thing. I don't even have to like your style of music. Like, if you got on there with, I don't know, trying to think of somebody I don't really follow that much anymore. But I don't know. Some, like, death metal band or something that I probably don't listen to. If it looked like a bunch of people were interested, great. doesn't matter if I don't listen to the person's music. I can watch and enjoy them playing Magic. And if it gets everybody else excited, then that's good for me, too. So if you're not a fan of Posty, then who cares? Like I told you last week, I don't listen to I've heard like a couple of his songs. But I'm not going to be mad at Jimmy and Josh or like Wizards for talking about like, hey, here's this important person who plays Magic. Like, that's just dumb. Like, I can Let see the benefit. Enjoy things. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, hell, I, I'm sure people would act the same way if we found out, I don't know, Garth Brooks played magic. People would be like, ah, whatever, country music's stupid. But like, who cares? It's not about the music. It's about somebody else who happens to have a platform enjoying the same thing you enjoy. That's it. Like, doesn't matter. Really doesn't. I mean, that'd be like, it was like when people, uh, crap, what's his name? Cassius Marsh, right? When people found out he played magic, People that were just like, ah, but he's on the Seahawks, blah, blah, blah. Like, what does that have to do with a damn thing? <laughs> like, I'm a Cowboys fan. When I met him, I didn't go like, well, F you, dude, you're on the Seahawks, whatever. Right? You know what I mean? Like, come on. Like, people got to get a grip, man. But yeah, this is cool. I think it's a neat opportunity for the community. I hope this leads to us seeing more moments like that over the next couple of years, truthfully. Guess what else happened today, Brian? What else happened today, Dequan? The banhammer broke out. Matter of fact, oh. I forgot. I didn't. I didn't reload our jackhammer sound because, like, we, it was it was jackhammer day today. Uh, we found out a couple hours ago that Time Warp has been banned in historic, and that's not really like news. If you watched the event last weekend, it was a very boring top eight. I believe like six of the decks were playing the same type of thing and then the other two were similar so it's just like we knew a lot of these cards from the mystical archive were going to cause some problems time warp was one of the biggest ones i was concerned about anyway right out of the gate and nobody seems surprised by today's news if there is a surprise it's that it was only time warp that said in the same announcement that basically said hey look we saw what you saw we're keeping eyes on this so don't be surprised if you see something else get banned in the coming weeks or whatever so Meh. Everybody's been warned. We're all good. You know, just one of those weird things. But yeah, I'm I'm all about now. I don't know how this is gonna work. Like if you opened time warps because those were in the mystical archive slot. If you open those as part of your strict saving stuff, if tomorrow, I guess, they're just gonna give everybody one for every one you have. 
Like, I, I guess that's what's going to happen. So you'll just get some free rares, which is cool. Freeware wild cards. So there's an upside. But otherwise, not big news. Just figured it's something I would bring up because it's official. But yeah, I don't think we've upset anybody in a while with our dinner table talk. Or if we have, they hadn't told us. But I might get people today. All right. And and Maybe I get and, the potato salad. Yeah, exactly. Like we might we might be having this might be one where, you know, family don't want to come around till the holidays. But and this one's difficult, man. Because obviously I've been part of the magic community for a long time, since nearly the beginning, it feels like. But I think after this last month to two months, seeing how people reacted to the MPL, seeing how the pro players and MPL players have reacted to the events and the pressure, you know, because I saw a couple of people post like, well, you know, not having the pressure of having to try to qualify and stay in the MPL and the set and the other kind of changed and made made it easier to play. And, you know, I saw that from a few people. I kind of go back to where people were getting upset that there was relegation and, you know, Wizards were just putting that out there of who's not going to be in there anymore. And all of that kind of got me thinking and asking a serious question of are Magic players and the Magic community truly ready for top-level pro play and teams? And I don't know that we are. Because, you know, even going back to some people's comments of just like, I can't believe they're just like putting this out there and treating it like the Hunger Games and whatever. Like, that's literally what the playoffs are in every sport. That's what every tennis tournament is. I think the difference being like you at least to some extent that now there are some, some charts you got to watch that he was going to get into the playoffs, but MPL yeah, but, was a whole different thing where even people that were in it really didn't understand how to get no, into No, no, I'm, I'm past that. I'm not even talking about, I'm talking about when it comes to actually playing the games and getting in and getting out, right? Once we're at that phase, every step of that in, involved in that seemed like People were upset and couldn't handle the stress. Didn't like the requirements of having to play. Didn't enjoy watching people be stressed. But that happens in every competitive sport, even other esports. Like, you don't think the people playing League of Legends, Call of Duty, whatever, professionally aren't sitting there stressed out, knowing that, hey, if we don't do this, like, we're, we're losing a bunch of money. If we don't do this, you know, we may not be in the tournament next year or we might not be in the league or, you know, like that's that's a thing. And maybe we're just too close as a community. Maybe we we talk to our people. We're friends with you because, you know, because one of the things that's different about Magic compared to a lot of these other games is we can go and actually interact with the top level players. Like we can see them in our local stores. We can see them at Grand Prix. We can even play with them online or whatever, right? I don't know many people that will tell you they have played with the top like Fortnite players or the top Overwatch players or whatever. Like that doesn't happen that often. So other than maybe you watch them on a stream or something, or you you chat with them on on social media, there's not really a connection connection. But I think with the way Magic works. And we've talked about this before. Magic is one of the few games where as an average person, you have a chance at getting into the money and competing against people for the top prizes or whatever. You can't do that in any other game. But I think with that, 
people have a hard time seeing. I don't want to say like the failure, the downfall of the people they have come to appreciate, follow, idolize, befriend, whatever. And I think that puts us in a position that we maybe that's not what our community needs. I mean, really, maybe this whole idea of what Withers is doing is actually makes the most sense to say, you know what? We're just going to put more money in there for all the general populace. There will just be more money. You can go get it. But you know what? If there's pro players, somebody else needs to handle that. Because I'm thinking about like, think about what we see and think about what we hear. And imagine what Wizards was seeing and hearing. It's got to be like a hundred times that. Because, you know, everybody's sending them private messages and DMs and sending letters and emails and whatever, right? Yeah, absolutely. So if they're getting all that, like they have to be seeing the same thing and then some. But really, I thought about it, like I and it's a little different for me because, you know, I grew up doing competitive things. I mean, I did sports. I did UIL things. You know, I've done, you know, even as an adult, I've done like disc golf stuff. I've done competitive magic. I've done, you know, so like the idea of competing and winning or losing or whatever, like doesn't bother. Like, is there, there's some level of anxiousness and stress or whatever, just the day of, but like, I understand the consequences of going in the battle. You know what I mean? And if, if it's not a positive, it's not a positive, but to see how people were reacting to it, both as players and as fans made me wonder if like, maybe just because of the culture or maybe even how a bunch of magic players are brought up because, and I started thinking like, a lot of magic players maybe aren't competitive in other things. So this could also be a weird thing for them too. That's just the whole experience is different because really I thought about it. I know a lot of players that other than being fans of sports, they've not actually been either involved in some competitive aspect of things. And then some of them, I would say probably, I guess the only people they know that are competitors are people that make, deep six figures or more and maybe that affects it too well, i mean it doesn't have to be sports like you said it could be disc golf it could be you know anything sure i know people that i mean there are cooking competitions if you have you know if you like to compete at things there are any number of the ways you can compete yeah the only thing i would say is about a lot of the cooking stuff but those are generally one-off things there's a few that like you win this and you can like advance to the like a big final. Yeah, cast I know thing. people who like do the competitive chili thing. So oh, see, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what though? I would say the same thing because I do know some people that did some competitive barbecuing, and they would tell you even making the circuit like, and you can see them stressing out like even preparing for a weekend. They they're like triple checking their lists and they're getting their sleep because they're going to get out there at, like five in the morning and you know like it's. But you know what they. They know what comes with the territory, right? They don't come back and they're like, ah, I don't know. Like once they've done it for a long time, they're they're kind of like, I don't know if I can keep doing this, but it's not necessarily from the stress, it's just because I'm getting too old for this crap. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but I don't know. And this isn't me trying to like poo-poo on the magic community. This is just like maybe it's not really a thing we need. I think it's a thing that we like the idea of, but we don't like the actual practice of it because well, I mean, how tell- many players have you seen really not be able to handle the stress i mean most of the pros i've seen you know 
sure that they have bad games, they have bad days. Everybody does. But I mean, I hadn't seen just a whole lot of people that like, I just, I don't, they're, they're like, I can't do this anymore. It's let me say this. Stressful. I don't follow a lot of them. And I've seen, and I'm not going to call people out. So if you want to go follow their social medias and see it, cool, whatever. <laughs> but like, I would say in the last couple of months, I've seen at least six bring it up. Which means there's others that may just not be saying it or don't want those discussions to be public or whatever. But it does make me question some things. Because if I'm only following a couple handfuls of them and you know, I see that, that's a pretty high percentage. So I don't know. I don't know. But it does bring back that thing of this, like, and especially even as a community, like I said, even just how the community reacted to it. I mean, I looked at that. Like, we talked about it as soon as we saw the new tournament system. We're like, yeah, it's going to be the Hunger Games and we're here for it. You know, and other people are just like, I can't believe they're treating it like the Hunger Games. Like, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> like, like, you just figured this out, you know, which also told me, sadly, they're not listeners of the show. But <laughs> that that's a different thing. But yeah, I don't know, man. I I, 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 know, I still I just, think we I, we need to have something like that because that's just that it's part of the standard package of a card game and really any kind of game in 2021 that's multiplayer. You have some sort of sort of competitive format. Yeah, we can. But that's what I'm saying. We can still have competitive formats, which we will have. Wizards already said they want to get back to doing Grand Prix. They still want to have a world championship. They still want to do all that. But they are just not paying directly to subsidize individuals' pro lifestyles. So if somebody still. And as I've said mm -hmm. on here on video, I have huge problems with the term subsidize. Subsidize implies like they're just handing you money you didn't earn. To be fair, they kind of were. Like, I, I, so, I'll say though? it. I'll say it, though. Like, I'm being real. Like, when when initially they were like, hey, we're going to give you this money and we're just going to ask that you at least stream a bit. And, you know, occasionally we can come to you for like a PR thing. And the people are like, ah, I don't know. I'm not that good at this or whatever. Ah, I don't like streaming. But I was like, OK, fine. We'll get rid of this. Fine. We'll get rid of that. And then it was just like, OK, so you just get paid and you just show up to tournaments. And then as long as you get at least as many points and stay in the league, we're just going to keep giving you money. That's how every other competitive thing works. LeBron James doesn't have to figure out how to broadcast the game. That's TBS's responsibility and the NBA's. Yes, but again, the NBA is the product. For Wizards, Magic is the product. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not the same. They are not apples to apples. Like, and even then, there's still endorsements and blah, blah, whatever that LeBron does all these other things. And I would even argue, and I know some people are going to get mad at me, and I'm probably going to get dragged for this, but what LeBron does to get his money, definitely not the same what a Magic player is doing to get their money. And I know for a fact, there are multiple players that weren't doing very much other than prepping like a couple weeks before an event and still collecting paychecks. There, there are players in every game that don't work as hard as somebody like sure. LeBron or Kobe does. But you're, did. but you're not, you're not going to be able to sell me on it. Like now, if somebody else wants to step up and have a team, which is basically what the NBA is, it's individual owners. They, you know, they have agreements and whatever, and blah blah TV deals, all that. But it's individual owners deciding who they want on their team and paying those people or whatever, and then competing. 
It's not the NBA paying each one of those people. And that's basically what Wizards is saying, right? Which is, to be fair, is how every other esports is handled. Right? If you go watch League of Legends, it's individual teams that pay for these players, get them their endorsements, put them in houses so they can practice together, all that. And then League of Legends runs the events and has the prize money and everything else. But, you know, they are like five on five or six on six sports. Wizards, you know, Magic is one on one. So I guess a better example would be boxing. And yeah, boxing, you know, whatever alphabet soup organization you put together is who figures out how much money Floyd Mayweather or, God forbid, Logan Paul should get for this boxing event. But even then, even those individuals have their own like teams and negotiators and blah, blah, whatever that work the deals with the TV studios and the and the contracts and whatever, and they get their percentage of the gate and all this stuff. It's not the WBC just saying, okay, we're going to give you this much for you to fight next week. Like, there's still individuals handling all that stuff for those people. Yeah, they have agents, and yeah. I think we probably, you know, yeah, I'm saying, well, what, what, what was the, the pro league? We're on 75000 salary. That probably yeah. is a point where you should consider having an agent, and I, some of them probably do have if not an agent, at least some kind of manager or something. I actually they can at least... don't know of one that does, believe it or not. It's possible, but I don't know of one that does. Even And really, we only had a couple that even went out of their way to sign with any individual, I would say, official teams. Not just like sponsored Magic Store teams, but actual teams. Because I believe like Seth Manfield and Paulo Vitor Domitorosa did. I think those two, and there might be a third person. But I know for sure those two actually had like Tempest Storm and somebody else as actual like team sponsors that helped them make extra money and stuff. So it's it's a whole different thing. Like I said, I don't I think the magic community will still be fine and they may even be better off by just having money still be there. We'll still have competitive events. We'll still have the, you know, strict saving championship, blah, blah, whatever. Those will all still happen. Just the prize money will be just dispersed differently. And more people have a chance at cash. And if you want to make consistent money as a pro, you go out there and get it. You find you a agent or a team or whatever, or you do some streaming or you find a partnership deal or whatever. And I think that's just where we're going to be at. And honestly, maybe Magic players as a whole, we're still not professional enough yet. I think that's part of it, too. It's tough. And I, like I said, I know people are going to hate me. Yeah, yeah, you see, now you got your co-host upset in addition to other people. I, feel I know, like- but it's true, though. Like, how many, you, how many, man, I can't, well, that's a whole topic for a whole other thing. <laughs> like, I feel like we're about, if I deep dive now, we're going to be going for another 35, 45 well, this, this minutes. This is true. But I mean, definitely, it was an interesting conversation, to be certain. Yeah, for that's sure. That's what we're here for. Exactly, exactly. But like I said, it's just something that came up that I really got to thinking. I said, maybe we're just going to be better off being how we were. Like, we gave it the experience. Now, admittedly, and I will openly say, like, I do not think they handled it as best as they possibly could. I think there was definitely some missed opportunities. However, with what we did see, I still don't know if it was the right path for us. I think it was a neat experiment. I think yeah, I don't think it. anybody at this point would argue that Magic Pro League was the way it should be done. <laughs> Even yeah, Wizards yeah. would has acknowledged, yeah, we screwed up multiple things. 
But I, but I think it was a reasonable enough test case that we got a lot of information out of it that I'm not even sure, like from, and I think my problem for me is having seen it, having talked to people, having seen how other leagues run, my thought was just like, even if we did move forward and do it, like what would we even turn it into that the average viewer, fan, player would even like? And I didn't even have anything reasonable. And that to me says, yeah, it's probably not something we need then. Cause I even like, cause even when I see people complain, there's no like realistic suggestions. Like there's some where people are just like, well, wizards makes this much money. They could just give this much money to the players. Like that's not realistic. Like, come on. Like if your answer is just, well, they should just give them money. Then like, we're not ready. You know what I mean? Like you're not willing to dedicate to a structure, to a schedule, to a plan, to an obligation or whatever. But in exchange, you want them to just give you money. No, I think people are willing to, to, to go into a structure, but there needs to be a structure. Sure. We and definitely need a better people one. Need, you know, when you're in the league and you don't know how it works, that's a huge problem. Oh, I agree to that. But I'm still of a belief that Magic survived and grew very well, nearly exponentially, even under the old system. I think they figured out that, you know, financially not having, you know, any kind of real pro play isn't going to do them a bad number. I'm acknowledging that it's not probably not financially the thing that they want to do. Yeah. To the point that I honestly, when I've had these conversations with people, I said, cool, let's assume they do find a pro system. What do you think is going to be the percentage more growth because that exists? And nobody has a realistic number expectation. I said, well, that's exactly why they don't need it. Like, if you can't come forward and say, okay, yes, they're going to grow, and let's just make up a number, say 10% next year. But if we have the pro league, that's going to increase it another 2% next year. I like, think, again, if they had done it well, they could easily do that because we see other people doing it. I don't think they can. The, the, well, no, they can't because they can't seem to get out of their own way. <laughs> like Blizzard, I'm, I'm not for a- example, has been pretty good at doing it so far. Yes, that's, but again, that's why they got I think, in is because they saw how much money Blizzard was making. And but I they think it's tried also it failed it. it's entirely different, though. I think from the minute somebody engages with Blizzard and the way they handle stuff, it's a whole different experience in how you engage with Magic. I've even told people one of the biggest problems Magic has is well, you know, in non-COVID times or whatever, is that people like to play Magic. So you go and you're trying to qualify for the Pro Tour or whatever on a Saturday. But there's also a pro tournament happening online on a Saturday. Like if you if you're doing a thing on, I don't know, League or Hearthstone or whatever, like that's the only thing happening. It's just the way the ecosystems for the games work. And and there's no way around it because Wizards makes money both digitally and physically. So it's just always going to be competing issues there. They're never going to be able to maximize, I think, the actual like digital viewership experience because the game's just not built that way. It's also because, you know, they, they have a paper product to support. Hearthstone yeah, doesn't have that. Exactly. One. No plans to have a paper product. And that's what I'm saying. Like, it's just, it's just not going to be. And I know when people go, Oh, but the numbers, but like, yeah, but literally while people are playing a magic thing online, some of them are playing magic, ma- playing a tournament. Some are playing magic online. Some are playing arena. Some are playing in these other cash things, but there's a whole system for magic outside of the pro circuit when you go play hearthstone or league or overwatch whatever there's no like triple a system right you you are in the pros or you're not well i think overwatch has like a contenders league 
That's fair. That's fair. But how much money is available in the contenders league? You know, because because the thing is, again, we can go to a store every Friday, every Saturday. Hell, sometimes, depending on where you live, if you're in the city, every day of the week and go play magic somewhere and go win prizes and whatever. And you can be a semi pro doing that. Like you can't do that with other games. And that's why I'm saying I think from the bottom up, the whole system is so different that I think by the time we get to the top, our interactions with the game and the people and the processors are just so different. And and I'm in it. I mean, I'm I look at how I interact with TFT, and it's way different than how I inter- interact with Magic. And you know, TFT has pro players and all that and whatever, but like it's it it looks and feels different because of my engagement with the game and how I treat it. And I don't think what goes on in Magic would work for TFT and vice versa. It's just different products, different communities, different wants and needs. And they have had problems trying to get people to watch TFT streams and to even do TFT competitively. It's a hard, it's a hard thing. There's a lot going on in Team Fight Tactics, but it's it's I would say probably even more complicated than Magic in terms of all the various combos and oh i've definitely learned a lot to play it which by the way i just made gold for the first time last week i'm super excited about that (laughs) like i don't know how long i'm gonna stay there but but i at least got there (laughs) it's a hard game sometimes but yeah i think that's part of it though you know just like you're saying like the games and honestly i think the other thing too is on some level i think people engage with video games kind of saying i either want to be completely casual or I'm going to try to be competitive. Whereas Magic feels like it has a much wider range through that whole thing because we have like Friday Night Magics, we have PTQs, we have Grand Prix, we have Command Fest, we have like so no matter how you play Magic, there's all these like small in-between opportunities where you can win some stuff and do things, and I think that changes your interaction with the product. Whereas when I've played video games, like like even with TFT, I decided like, okay, I'm going to try to be more competitive this season. But like I had to like actively pursue doing this. Whereas like Magic, you kind of can become more competitive over time or whatever, at least just get better at the game and build better decks or whatever. Like I felt like with TFT, I'm kind of in or I'm not. So I got to try to play at least two hours a day or whatever to try to like, you know, or at least average that throughout a week to stay up to par or whatever. If I'm not, I know not even going to bother trying to play the, the ladder or whatever. But yeah, it's it's weird. Like I said, it's I, I don't know why I didn't think about it before, why I didn't see it that way before, because I play other games. But the more I looked at it and I started diving in and trying to understand like the different systems, and I'm just like, maybe just because we're gamers, we see other people doing a thing and we're like, well, maybe we should be doing that or maybe we should have these people or whatever. But at the end of the day, the game's making a bunch of money. We're all making new friends. Our cards are worth more or whatever. And we're probably just fine without that existing. Which is crazy. I mean, because I was on the same boat, too, that it was going to be awesome. We should have pro players. We should have this thing. But, like, I think I was more in love with the idea of it than the actuality of it. And when I, I started, I still believe it's a good idea. They just, I don't know that I trust this company to execute it anymore. I just don't even know what it would look like. I think that's my problem. Like, even if we did it, and, and when I do start to come up with stuff, it kind of looks like what other groups are doing. And that pushes me further away from saying like, yeah, Wizards probably shouldn't be paying people to do this. We should find a way to get third parties doing it. Now, the other side of that is you eventually have to make it worth enough 
for third parties to want to get into it because then they can sell ads and sponsorships and logos yeah. on your shirts. And, you know, that's the real trick. And again, that kind of comes back to our earlier conversation in the show is getting those post Malone moments or whatever. So more people pick up the game and more people are talking about it. And when cards are worth more, people pay more attention to the game and, you know, all this stuff. And as that stays positive, you eventually can reach that point where people start bringing in magic players as part of their esports groups and esports teams. But if we don't do that, then we probably can't have the thing that people want, I think. But yeah, I don't know. Something to talk about. It's probably going to be an ongoing thing. I'm sure we'll bring it up again in the future. Yeah. But anyway, why don't you everybody where they can find you on social media, Brian? Right. I am Deal Caesar on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. And you can always find me at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N, on most social platforms. But mostly you can find me streaming on Facebook Gaming and on Twitch and on YouTube every single day. And as always, we gotta tell you, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. And please, for the people who aren't vaccinated yet, remember to wear your mask, wash your hands, stay away from other humans that are icky with the COVID, so we can get everybody back to gaming sooner rather than later. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate other patreon.com slash color of magic you can also find us on facebook under color of magic and if you want to follow us along at twitter you can find us there at color of mtg and as always please share the podcast around to your friends your network people you think might enjoy it because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base 